Hello everyone, welcome back to Front Page Dub. I'm Cody Ojeda, your host, joined as always by the fabulous, the wonderful, the brilliant Matt Olson. Matt, how are you doing on this fine evening, my friend? Those were a lot of words to describe a human being, and I am thrilled. Great human being, mate. Yeah, cheers, cheers. <laughs> How are you? Well, uh, well, look, the, the superlatives were enough of an introduction, but if we, if you want to go there, you know, I'm, I'm all about, I'm all about cutting down on the runtime here at FPF. But no, look, look, good, great. Um, the glory are not good and not great anymore. Um, but I predicted that in the mid-season pod, so whatever. You know, the the football's all right. Um, you know, we are in the midst of. A pretty wild finals race, as always, across the men's and women's leagues, and yeah, we're just seeing the fruits of a lot of a lot of the APL's hard work in the on-field uh, persuasion. And I think that there's certain things that are going right at the moment, purely on-field, <laughs> purely on-field. We know everything else is a mess, so yeah, just taking it in weekend by weekend and enjoying myself. Yeah, that, um, on the field, everything else is a mess is one way to put it, I guess. You want to talk about cutting down run run times as well. Uh, a little shout out to my work while Christian was in America and doing the FPF men's podcast in an hour shorter time frame because we were not going for two hours and 40 minutes. It yes. was one hour and 40 minutes. Our one was an That's hour. That's my man. We, we did six games in an hour. That was elite. That was, we were machines that day. Might have, I might have actually cut 10 minutes out of it, but I can't remember if there was a conversation that I kind of went. Yeah, no, this is fucking useless. Let's just cut this out. Because <laughs> we would have been something stupid. You know what we're like. Where's... For anyone that's wondering, on this show, we have had discourses where we've gone for 10, 15 minutes about a random topic, and I've gone, nah, this is not making the final edit. So if ever, anyone's ever curious about what we've gone on tangents about, I think one was about Maria Rojas possibly playing for Chile, and then we went in a weird tangent about um, Conman Ball um, women's football. It was really, really <laughs> weird, but that's a long time ago now. That was about a year ago. I don't actually remember what the conversation was. But anyway... Let's turn the conversation back to what's actually happening in our country, in our backyard, not on the other side of the world. The A-League women's, like I say, the equal greatest competition on planet Earth, tied with, of course, the, their male counterparts. We'll run through the results since we last recorded. We recorded on Tuesday night, and I don't think it got up until the Saturday, so our apologies for that. I suck at editing. Um, Thursday, 25th of January, that's when... The round two weeks ago started from memory. Yes, I think I've got that mm -hmm. correct. Melbourne City, who've actually been on a bit of a dip in form themselves, losing to Western United 3-1. Big Blue on Australia Day saw a Melbourne victory in somewhat controversial circumstances get a draw against Sydney FC. There was that penalty that low scored at the 20th minute mark. Wanderers, somewhat surprisingly as well, lose a home to Brisbane Raw. Adelaide, we're going to get to this in a minute. Adelaide beating Perth Glory to get their first win in quite a while. On the Sunday, sorry, those last two games were on the Saturday as well. Sunday, 28th of January, Wellington Phoenix at home, always strong, beating Canberra United 2-0. Mariners in the F3 derby, away to Newcastle Jets, get a 2-0 win themselves to take out the guardrail, I think they're calling it. It's a piece yep. of the guardrail from the F3. Great um, great stuff, love those trophies. I actually reckon that tops the asphalt. Um, Saturday, 3rd of February, Mariners in action again. Not winning the guardrail this time, losing to Western United 2-1. Adelaide, back-to-back -back wins. Like I said, we're getting to this in a minute. 2-1 win over Western Sydney Wanderers. Brisbane Raw, somewhat what we've expected of them in recent weeks. 2-1 loss to Melbourne victory. Sydney FC beating Perth Glory 3-1. Sydney FC is getting on a good run of form as well. 
Courtney Vine really coming back into her own. Well, not coming back into her own. She's been Sydney FC's man outlet this season, but a brace from her is always a great sight to see. Sunday, the 4th of February, Canberra United, shock result, 3-1 over Melbourne City, who, like I said, have been in a tipping form themselves. And Newcastle Jets in what was probably the most exciting game, on paper at least, in the last two weeks. 3-2 win over Wellington Phoenix. Uh, Bolden, 65th minute winner, but back and forth game. Wellington were winning. Newcastle winning. Wellington equalise. Newcastle win. We love to see those topsy-turvy games, and it just shows how crazy this league is and how tight everyone is, and also, in a way, how much how important home ground advantage is. In the last round that we played, only one team won away, and it was Brisbane Raw that lost at home, and I think Brisbane Raw have a lot more issues than um, going on behind the scenes and just losing a game of football, but I'm sure that's something that other people will talk about that are a lot more qualified than us. Matt, sorry for rambling on. What has stood out for you over the last couple of weeks? It's it's hard to go past Adelaide, uh, obviously. I think even with some of the form, the Wanderers had sort of summoned up up to that point um, was very impressive. And then, you know, I understand that Perth are obviously slipping and sliding and, you know, they've lost their way a bit, but I still think for Adelaide to back that up, two very so- solid home wins as well. Really, really needed, really crucial, and has kept them, you know, in in a, in a, a bit a bit of a touch with with the six in some some respects. But you can't really look past the most recent set of games we had on Sunday the fourth. Um, Cody, the the fact that <laughs> Canberra's just out of the blue, you know, put three past this city team, which of course we know they're capable of scoring a lot of goals, but to do it so convincingly and to um. Yeah, just really show their colours again for a team that's sitting on the bottom of the table. That's just important. Games like that make the league feel good. And you look at you look at the men's t- persuasion. You know when Brisbane's winning, when you know Gloria winning, when uh, when Western United are able to get up and get a winner. I think there's just a feel good factor about it. Uh, let alone when you've got a Canberra side that can score goals for fun, actually executing a performance like that against Melbourne City. So that was really imperative. But the second game also caught my attention for one of a few ways. You know. The first being that Serena Bolden is probably the greatest female footballer that's ever lived, bar the weird Swabi sisters rant, Linda Caicedo <laughs> footy brain, all that stuff I went on about at the World oh, Cup. Swabi sisters, oh my is, god, the, is still still exists to an extent. You know, I love Serena that, Bolden honestly. doing what Serena Bolden does, and yeah, yeah, fair enough. Have a, have a laugh at my Jamaica rant. It was worth it though. I got to I've got see that them save somewhere. Place. I don't know if that actually made the final cut. <laughs> oh yeah, well there you go. Sorry about sorry about it. No, I did because uh, we did the videogram for it, but that's besides uh, oh, yeah, that is besides the right. point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's besides the point. Um, this game was an embodiment of obviously just how much the Jets have changed with someone like Serena Bolden being in the team, and there's no way to way to hide that. I think they're really showing their their colours as a team that can fight for the six in in a mix with the Mariners and the Wanderers, and it's really nice to see that conversation of sort of midfield teams expand out a little bit because I think. Preseason, what were the Wanderers and the Jets looking like? What what do they embody in many ways? They're still probably still fairly mediocre programs, but they're really getting getting things together, and they've become a lot more of a total package this season, which is really really awesome. But also, it highlighted to me there is a reason why Wellington went from top two to top six to now being in ninth. I think the mentality of the squad and a lot of the players within it probably just struggle to have the resilience. And the mental fortitude to sit through a game like that. Um, the squad's just too inexperienced 
for for that kind of thing, and, and that's fine because again, you know, that's I still think the Phoenix embody a very young setup at at heart, and I, I know I get a lot of things wrong on the Phoenix, and a, a lot of their fans really come for me at times. Totally get it, but I think I think that's a fair assessment of the game we saw because at the end of the day, you have a feisty team here that can stand up and play well on their day. They still have a positive goal difference. How crazy is this, uh, Cody? Uh, Wellington in ninth on a plus three goal difference. Adelaide in 11th on a negative 14 goal difference, right? So that's just the scale of of how crazy the games can be and what certain teams are, are up against and what their strengths are and all those things together. But it's just the endurance of a game like that where it was really in their face, where the Jets knew exactly what they were bringing and how they were bringing it to a game like that. Just really encapsulated um, the spirit of, of, of what this league can be about sometimes, but more importantly, what is required from a Phoenix perspective to get back up in the six and be a team that's contending, you know, uh, come games 21-22. Yeah, look, I don't think to say... That was a huge fix. rant for one game, by the way. Sorry? That was a huge rant for one one match. Yeah, look, fair enough. I know you, mate. You're a passionate guy. What I was trying to say was, like, I don't think to say... Wellington Phoenix are an inexperienced side, and that's why they've probably had a bit of inconsistency that's seen them drop down the table is maybe a hot take or anything like that. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. And the reality is between fourth and ninth, there is three points. Wellington Phoenix win one game, they're back in the sixth. Maybe you have a different, or you wouldn't have a different outlook. You'd probably still be saying the same things. But in a way, you can say that they're in the position that they're in simply because of how tight the competition is. Something we're going to get to a little bit later, but I want to just track back to Adelaide for a sec because. This is a side that, I won't look, in a way, they probably were struggling. They had four losses in a row after their kind of two wins that kind of, that came out of nowhere a little bit. But um, in the middle of that, they had a 5-0 loss to City. Things really weren't look, were looking quite bleak. You go to Canberra, go ahead, lose 3-1, all in the second half as well. Western United, very dodgy circumstances, they lose that game. And you're playing a Perth side who they themselves are looking for a win. They go up early and Adelaide managed to work their way back into the game. Now, Narcos Sasaki, mind you, the last two weeks, absolutely fantastic. One of my favorite players in this competition. But for a side that their mentality has been, um, not questioned, but tested this year, I think it's probably, that's the better way. That's what I'm looking for. Their mentality has been tested this year. You know, you come in last year, a side that is still the core of as much as maybe players have been in and out, moved, come back. It's still got, you've still got the core of that side that did make finals a couple of years ago. It's not a bad side on paper. So in a way, the form that they've been in up until now is definitely surprising, I guess you can say the least. But look, you've spoken a lot about what Perth's been going through in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months even. This is probably the game that you're looking at going, okay, we're ahead, we're ahead now. This is a side that needs to see out this game to make sure we can go on a good run of form because for Perth, now they're in a position they've only won one game in their last eight. But for Adelaide to be able to come back in that circumstance against a side that does have so much to play for in their own right too, when you're languishing at the bottom of the ladder in a league without relegation, seeing if there's maybe a slimmer of hope for finals, to be able to come into a game like that, that's absolutely fantastic. And that's just the first game. And then you've got the Wanderers who were in good form themselves in a similar position where they've had one loss for the first time in a while. They need to find a way back into to try and play themselves back into form. You go down early and in the second half, equalize fairly late. You win it fairly late. Chrissy Panajaris, young player as well. Adelaide Comets um, product, I believe. 
But um, it's just the way that they're able to kind of work themselves back into these games. Two wins for the first time in a while, both coming from behind. It's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, I, 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 something that sort of caught my attention with all of these shenanigans going on, you know, Adelaide showing their worth. I think it's fair to say that we've seen Brisbane show their worth in certain capacities. The Jets have gotten better. The Wanderers have gotten better. You know, Wellington have their ebbs and flows going on. Could easily be a top six team. Actually, all of these teams on merit. Heck, even Canberra to an extent could be a top six team. Sorry for the spoiler alert, Cody. But um, it just caught my attention. <laughs> It's just caught my attention that the top four is the same top four that we had pronounced as the four biggest teams in the competition last season. Isn't that what we said last year, big four, or the big three turning into a big four? Yeah, Uh, which I've got to be honest with you, with everything that's happened this season, and certainly with the way that victory were looking at times, with the way that Western were looking at times, how are we in this situation (laughs) How is that the top four? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think I said it in the um, <laughs> mid-season review. Sydney FC have kind of done a Stephen Bradbury in the second place because no one between them and where they were in second place were consistent enough. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, I remember the Fiona Warts chat, doing all the math in my head while we were on that podcast and just thinking with the games in hand and, oh, my God, they're, 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 you know, like they're basically sitting in second already. Uh, and and then it just kind of manifested itself. I don't think that caught anyone by surprise, did it? I can't. I mean, I, I don't think you can really say that. But yeah, just just looking at looking at a lot of talent that's sitting in the lower rungs of the table, the competition is in a really healthy position. Totally understand what you're saying on the emphasis of Adelaide in particular. I just think it's the whole competition right now. It's just it's just very very good. Yeah, uh, that's, what, that's what I mean. I think it's you. In a way, it is about the competition, but also we've said it between ourselves. Adelaide have never been a bad team. They've got quality on paper to really be able to be a good football team. I've predicted them this season to come around 8th or ninth. So to see them in that position for so long was probably a little bit surprising. But in a way, as much as these results have kind of come out of nowhere, it probably doesn't come as a surprise in a way when you think about the fact that, okay, one, they've also played both these games at home, but two... They do just genuinely have a good quality football team. There's not a side in this competition that I look at and go, you're an out-and-out wooden spoon contender. You're going to finish last. You've got Adelaide and Canberra languishing at the bottom in in that regard. Brisbane's slowly falling down too. But all three of those sides are, on paper, good sides in, in reality. So in that regard, look, it's good to see Adelaide kind of turn their form around. It's probably a bit of confidence that they've needed to be able to push on a little bit. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can really keep that kicking on because their next game is Melbourne City at home, um, Melbourne City away, which is definitely not going to be an easy trip. So, look, if they can get things going in that regard, I think they'll be looking good. But in the meantime, it's good to see them kind of play back into a little bit of form, no matter how long it ends up lasting for. We'll move just on. on the verge of there yeah. being, yeah, just on the verge of there being about seven or eight games left. Probably the right time you want to play City away because if you're able to nab a point from it. Lord knows what they can do for the rest of the season. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's actually not many others will get. Yeah, exactly. And it, it could actually be a springboard for them to really make a run at. The I time you want to play them as well, they're not in great form too. Yeah, look, I, I yeah. Yeah, I, you're actually fucking on with that. They're not. Um, it's probably around about the right time to be playing 
you know, a premiership quality, but maybe with the occasional slip-up version of, of City or, or Sydney or Western or Victory, any of those sides that are realistically in the hunt, maybe City is still the most consistent. But I still think our analysis at the start of the season always touched on the fact that a side like Adelaide has consistency through their, their squad um, and replacing that with the firepower of a Canberra, for example. I mean, it, it's... I, I was and have been historically on this program very stubborn about a lot of these things, but I'll actually open up and say to you, I don't think there's a single team that, that you can qualify as being out of contention just on the basis of that alone. Yeah, like I said, or like you said, spoiler alert, we'll probably get into that a little bit later. We'll get on to a little bit of general news. And if I can record over the last couple of weeks, is actually only in the last couple of days, a record outbound transfer for an A-League women's player. Caitlin Torby securing a move to San Diego Wave. It's nice to see a club actually get a bit of income for this. Melbourne City, we've seen in the men's program, they've been making some good dosh. Well, you got one point something million for Boss, uh, two point something million for Tilio, three million for Tilio, two million for Bayich, and he's coming back in six months. That's not, that's crazy enough in itself. But now, as much as, you know, in the context of things, the figure is a little bit smaller or much smaller. But in the, in the context of women's football, it's not a bad amount of money. Caitlin Torpy will be going to San Diego Wave. I believe the, the figure earmarked is around $75,000, which, look, considering the record transfer fee in women's football, I believe hasn't actually hit five hundred k yet, or if it has, was only in recent years. That's almost the equivalent of an A-League men's player um, being signed for, say, $20 million. So that's not too bad when you think about it that way. That's maybe a bit of a stretch, but... The point is, we've at, we're in a position now where A-League clubs can actually bargain a transfer fee and a good transfer fee for their players. And considering we're still technically a semi-professional league, that in itself as a social construct is pretty bloody amazing to see, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's not unlike this country to punch it above its weight. Um, and, you know, I've always sort of been of the opinion for a while now that the women's game will be able to reach heights and excel in a way that the men's game couldn't. I mean, maybe the fact that we've hosted a FIFA World Cup now, uh, you know, and made the semifinals probably sort of already makes that point. But I think on the domestic front, I think on the, you know, remember there was a point I made at the start of the season, Cody, where I kind of said that the the A-League women can have an international appeal where the A-League men just can't because of Australia's place as like a stronghold for the women's game. And I think, on the specific point of transfers and, and a transfer budget, if we're able to put the resources in place, and obviously knowing what the APL are up to these days, there's no guarantee with that. But someone like Caitlin Torpy, enjoyable to watch, part of you know a really, really exciting side, playing alongside a lot of really good talent. It's the it's exactly the type of person, and not even the biggest cock in the wheel. We're not talking about a Daniela Gallet trial. We're actually talking about someone that Okay, she's just been good enough for a Matilda's pick, but I don't think she's like the most amazing shining light in that team, right? And that's the player we're sending off. So that to me just speaks volumes about how far we can go. And and like you say, I mean that disproportionately that that seventy five k adding up to the equivalent of about twenty million. You, you sit there and you laugh about it, but it's actually kind of true. <laughs> like like a player going to the to the you know the US system. Uh, from from the A League like this is 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 massive. Just when you consider what the um, 
you know, that the, the US league is, is, is for women's football equivalent to what a European league, a major European league would be equivalent to for, for male football as well. So there's a lot of factors there where I think, you know, it's, it's a real sign of the times for, for the game. It might be a bit unfair to say, like, she's probably not the key cog in this world. Remember, I put her in my um, team of the season so far. This is someone that's obviously had a good season, whether you agree with kind of a selection or not. Obviously, it's just something that kind of came off the top of my head. But yeah, I don't think you could deny she's had, one, a good season, and two, I think she is a key part of this Melbourne City side in a way. You take her out of it, they lose that engine room at, at um, left or right back, wherever she wants to play. She's a versatile player. You can put her up front, Preston Lyons did in the NPL. There's definitely something that you lose. You lose a bit of an engine. You lose a bit of work rate. And it's it's things like that that are quite hard to replicate. And they're the sort of things that I'm excited to see what um, she can bring into the Matildas team as well. But I think where the difference is, is you've got names like you mentioned before, Holly McNamara, Daniela Galich, who maybe have a little bit more technical quality to offer. If we're getting $75,000 for Caitlin Torpy, and look, mind you, this is a figure that I saw... I can't remember exactly where it was. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong. I do apologize if it does come out that it's something completely different. This is just what I've seen so far. It's the best I've got to work off with. If that's, but if that's the standard that we're getting for Caitlin Torpy, what can we garner for some of those other players? And even outside of Melbourne City, you've got players like Indiana Dos Santos, Matty Casper's coming through, Sydney FC. Other clubs are producing young players too. Even you can argue to a certain extent, maybe a Rachel Lowell, Melbourne Victory is having a great season. What can we start? getting for those types of players. I think that's probably the next question that we're going to have to go to. Anyway, we'll probably end that conversation there because the other part, um, the other big news that's come out in recent weeks, recent weeks, recent days, uh, the Matilda squad has been announced. Obviously, Caitlin Torpy, which has gone through, she's got her for, um, maiden call up and two legends return. One that we've actually spoken about a little bit already, Michelle Heyman and Chloe Legazzo, who we've spoken about in recent weeks as well. And I think it was our last episode we brought up the idea of, you know, would she possibly fit into a Matilda squad playing the role that she is at Western United? So it's great to see that come to fruition. Both very, very well deserved. The discourse around Michelle Heyman's um, call up is really funny because it's the same, actually. I know you off here, you were making the comparison with Bruno Fornaroli, how you've got two strikers who are in the latter stages of their career having some of the best, playing some of the best football that they have in their career, breaking goal scoring records. Michelle Heyman's got her 100th goal recent weeks in the A-League women's and both using that to earn call-offs back into the national team. It's really interesting how we've got two players in both leagues that are actually kind of on a very similar journey, even though they're very different in terms of how they do relate to Australian football. But Michelle Heyman, someone who hasn't been in Matilda's squad for six years, has been called back up now, 35 years old, getting back into the squad in the best form of, well, arguably the best form of her career, 10 goals already this season. And I feel like as we have a large population in this country that looks at a player's age and goes, if they're over this age, that's it, they shouldn't be playing in the Matilda squad. I don't know where your head's at, at with this, Matt, but are you looking at this Heyman call-up in any way controversial or is this pretty bang on? This is fucking awesome. <laughs> This is there, there we go. This is football <laughs> heritage. Football heritage in this country has just come home. This is massive. This is monumental. This is 2007, ABC, Stephanie Brands commentating the W League at a game at HBF Park or NIB Stadium or Members' Equity in front of 900 people. Quality of just fucking awesome. Michelle Heyman's a Matilda again. This is sick. 
This is, and we are about to go into the fucking lion's den. I said it about the under twenties when they had to go and face Costa Rica at home in front of thirty thousand people. Uzbeks show up for their football teams. Okay, That's, they yeah, will show I up. You shout something there because you look at their crowds at the um, first round of Olympic qualifiers. They're only averaging about two thousand people. They're showing up for their men's. So I don't know how much they're showing up for their women's. You maybe have a point. It's a majority Muslim country. <laughs> Stop ruining the mood. <laughs> <laughs> just all right, Michelle Heyman. All right, I, I, that is exactly the player you need for this scenario. Yeah, it's uh, two legs against a side that are a total enigma. They've not qualified for an Asian Cup since two thousand and three. They've come out of nowhere from the luck of a draw of a frankly kind of rigged and weird system in the playoffs, but whatever. <laughs> and, and look, it, it just this is this is an occasion where. We can look at, at, at the challenges that an Uzbek side will throw at us, yeah? We can be prepared to say that, you know, there are a lot of elements at play that can go against us. And when you're in a situation like that, you need experience. If I go back on the Costa Rica thing, I bring it up on the show all the time. Who was it that stood up in that moment in that game to bring the score back to get the win for the young Matildas? It was Sarah Hunter. Sarah Hunter with the captain's armband, with all that experience. I know it's ironic because we're talking under 20s, but experience for youth football, experience within that that dynamic, within that change room. And my God, when I think of us being in a really hostile environment with Tony Gustafson probably making some terrible tactical choices, as he always does, being a bit of a rogue. I just think experience is what gets you through that. And that's where Michelle Heyman, you know, bringing a very emotional journey together, not just for her, not just for women's football, but the the Matildas of tomorrow that are like global celebrities – you know, with their groupies and their weird merchandise and and that fusing in with, as I say, the 2007 ABC era Stephanie Brands, you know, that th- those that culture clash is just like the perfect embodiment of women's football in Australia. And I just, I love it. I adore it. I'm all for it. And, you, you know, t- just Bruno Fornaroli comparison, it's, missing in in one sense in that Bruno was an absolute legend for the A-League and he brought a lot of the A-League together into that one sort of Socceroos sphere where a lot of people were introduced to, oh my God, we have this Uruguayan guy with an incredible backstory. You know, his his son grew up going to school in Perth and things like this that really made the fairy tale special for someone aged 35, 36, you know, becoming a citizen, becoming a Socceroo. With Heyman, what you get takes a story like that that bonds us emotionally and just amplifies it. Because if I'm not mistaken, her last few caps were in, I might actually be wrong on this, might be wrong on this, maybe it was her last start, but she's it was in like an Olympic qualifying scenario identical to this one. I think it was against South Korea from memory. And It'll be close. I'm pre- from memory, she retired from the Matildas after the 2019 Asian Cup, but she didn't play a minute at that tournament, so it yeah, wasn't okay. Asian Cup. My yeah, last okay. name might have been Asian Cup qualifying, if anything. Yeah, that might that might be what I'm thinking of. But I know one of, one, of the images, one, one of the images they posted of her was from a goal she scored against South Korea in Olympic qualifying. I want to say it was for Rio because it was on it was on Channel Seven. Anyway, I just again, it's a bit of a full circle moment. It's just it's something that really brings 
the game together and someone that you're really proud of to see in those shoes. As for Chloe Legazzo, I, I do want to touch on the inclusion of someone like Chloe Legazzo um, because I'll be honest with you, when I was presented with a lot of the way she was talking and a lot of the coverage that she provided during the Women's World Cup alongside friend of FPF Amy Harrison uh, and, and other people who have been been there, done that, wore the green and gold, Chloe breaking down in tears live on Optus was one of those moments where I thought she's probably telling herself that her international career is done. She's probably saying, you know, I'm in the A-League now. I just don't know if I can crack it and get to that level. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's actually been in the setup, in the team, you know, embraced by a lot of the names there for a long time to come. But I always took a lot of what she was saying and the way she spoke about her international career at the time as, as she was wrapped up, she was done. So for her and Michelle to both be in this situation where they could lead us in a very hostile environment against Uzbekistan and in front of a sold-out crowd in Melbourne as well, I mean, it's awesome. It's absolutely incredible. Um, but again, you know, I just love it that we're sitting here talking about Caitlin Torpy as like a record transfer being in the Matildas fold. We're talking about the career revival of Amy Sayer, who had to pull out of university and throw everything away to move to Sweden, throw everything away to move to the US, being a part and a soul of, of, of this team. And and I just, I just love the Matildas. I just love what they're bringing from every angle. And like, we're not talking about, we're not talking about the headline stuff. We're not talking about the Steph Catleys and the Mackenzie Arnolds for all the incredible stories they have and for the rightful place they took as national heroes during the World Cup. That's not even that's not even the layer of the Matildas that we're talking about here. So for me, it's it's just I look at the squad and I'm just just excited to see football heritage coming home and and a Matildas team that we can be doubly as proud of uh, playing against a really tough Central Asian opponent. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of match plays out over there. But you're talking about coming into the Lions stand. That's probably going to be in Melbourne, where those Uzbek girls are going to be introduced to something they may have never seen before, which is interesting and. I think the biggest reason why I do like having Hammond and Legazzo in there is because you've got two players who are filling almost an experience void up front as well. You know, you're talking about we've got some older heads, maybe towards the back end of the field, but being able to go forward, you're missing a massive figurehead in Sam Kerr. I don't think people underestimate whether it's on or off the field. I know arguably sometimes we've been able to kind of galvanize and play maybe more, I'll say bet, I won't say better football, but the load, the attacking responsibility is shared much more evenly when she's not there, but missing one of the top two or three best players in the world is not something very easy to replace. So you've got two players there who are able to do it and probably the only two players you can call up in this situation that combined can add that experience that maybe you're maybe add that experience that you're missing. So look, it's put us in the best position that we can be in. And personally, I love it. I don't know why people are vehemently complaining about it. I understand if maybe you can present a better option, which I think you'd struggle to than Michelle Heyman. But um, shout out our guy, Kieran Yap, who has been very, very active on Twitter, making sure he's defending the Michelle Heyman call up against some people that have some very questionable opinions. But look, we'll move on from that conversation. A quick word, a quick headline. Uh, Kai Simon, someone who, I don't know how much we've actually spoken about her this season, mainly because, well, we haven't seen her. She's starting to come back into the Mariners side, someone who's been out injured for a very, very long time. Now, obviously got that call up to the World Cup, but didn't get on the pitch because she was still struggling with fitness. 
But after a very, very long time, almost at the back end of 2022, she's back playing, play, playing football, back on the pitch for the Mariners. I think that's something that's, oh, I'd say full so woman. I guess it was where she made her A-League women's debut. But something that's definitely very exciting to see, especially on the topic of Matilda's legends um, making a comeback. But I think with the experience of, of someone like Kai Simon as well, yeah, you're seeing, you're seeing a very intriguing narrative play out whereby you have, again, that football heritage, and it, it's something that we are proud of to, to talk about, but also the fact that we're not just here to bring in someone who does actually have, because, again, with Michelle Heyman's goals, the four Neroli comparison sort of intertwined with that. That's someone who just deserves it on merit because she's playing incredible football, regardless of who's in front of her. And if we're being honest, you know, an A-League women defense at times probably stacks up okay against a Central Asian opposition that is a little bit out of their depth at times in Uzbekistan. But playing them away compared to playing them at home is a different story, right? Um, and I think that with Kaya as well, you know, the the option to go for experience to counteract. Do you think Kai Simon has it in to get back in the Matilda squad? Purely for okay, okay, someone that could be there. And I held this. I've held this opinion when she was in the World Cup squad. Right? She could work. She could absolutely work to have a, a cameo in the team as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I just, she look, could. I understand players like Michelle Heyman coming back in, Chloe Lagarde coming back in. You know, they've worked because, their way back into the. Side. But also, but also, we are talking. And I'm pretty sure, look, at some point I may have lost the conversation, but we're talking about replacing Sam Kerr and we're talking about having a lot of talent up front. There is a gap. Whether we like to admit it or not, there is a gap between the Daniela Galich, Holly McNamara kind of fusion of that generation and the Sarah Hunters and the Hannah Larrys. I'm not saying they're strikers, but I'm just saying that generation of players that are in the under-20s, under-23s. Compared to the gap of the players that are in their 30s, and then you've got the likes of the Sam Kerr's and the, and the Caitlin Fords and the players in their prime now. I actually think there's a sufficient gap in quality there at some point, right? So calling calling back the experience, I'm not saying I'm not saying starter or anything ridiculous like that. I still think that she could if she wanted to. We're not playing a massively high talent. We're not we're not playing like really talented opposition. This is a two leg playoff against Uzbekistan. We're the overwhelming favourite. The Lions Den stuff about going away, yes. You're telling me, you're telling me a game that's a sellout at Marvel. I know Kai Simon's not in the squad. I'm just saying hypotheticals. I'm talking hypotheticals. That probably wasn't clear when I started my rant. I do apologize. We kind of got lost there. Full disclosure, there was actually a glitch and I didn't hear the rest of Cody's spiel. That's why I started talking about it. But listen to me. Kai Simon can have a place coming on. Pretend like we're up, we're up one nil, we're up two one in a game. It's against Uzbekistan in Melbourne. Yeah, Kai Simon belongs on the pitch. She absolutely does. But but uh, there's the other side of that, which is who else actually belongs in those Sam Kerr boots when Sam Kerr's not around? Who do you start? Oh, probably one of the two that have actually been called up, who rightly so have been called up. Or you look at a Mary Fowler or someone like that. You play a and you play a slightly out slightly out of position. Yeah, you could play essentially as well. I'm fully aware of that. Amy Sayer is someone that, you'll, as you'll recall, yeah. against a similar quality of opposition, she actually struggled. I think her her best option is to come off the bench as well. So, okay, there's options. Like, there's options. But just saying, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it's controversial as hell, but I wouldn't be that pissed off with it. And I think, again, to, to make the comparison, whereas the uh, Michelle Heyman selection works, 
a kind of silent selection could work as well. I'm just putting it. Just well, anyway, the point is, she's come back to the A-League women's. She's finally playing football again. It's been a while since we've seen her. It's good to see her again. I don't know about the Matildas stuff, but you know what? Look, I'm glad to see her playing football again. That's the main thing. And anyway, look, I think we should probably move on from that conversation before we say something that's going to make people look at us and go, what the fuck? I can't wait to see the heat you got for that opinion because I reckon some people are going to be... We're really- not We're not. We're not going to clip it and put it on socials. Like- Maybe I'll tell Harry to clip it. Hey? I'll tell Harry no, to clip Harry's it. No, not, Harry's not <laughs> clipping that because I know I will get stick for it. <laughs> I'm just saying, it and also it's taken out of context. It's taken out of context because we had a fucking glitch in the way. <laughs> like, anyway, if, anyway, if, anyway, if, anyway. If we didn't have, if we didn't have the the transmission in between, I wouldn't have started. Okay. Oh god. Anyway. But also, yeah. So, experience, experience is okay, okay. 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 Not finished. Experience is what can subsidise the gap that's left with Sam Kerr out with her ACL. That is not a controversial thing to say, okay? And if Maybe I was you, that- I'd probably end it at that. <laughs> no, 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 but this is this is the thing. That's where everyone vehemently disagrees. That experience is not someone like Kai Simon. Maybe not, but it could be. You know what? Look, if she, in between now and the end of the season, scores seven goals in five games, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing her into a friendly squad. Maybe, maybe f- even five goals in five games. We'll see what happens. But until that happens, we've got other options. Someone who may be pulling on a Matilda's jersey in, let's just say, five, six, even seven years' time, because she is quite young, Maddie Caspers. Someone who's really hit a decent run of form, uh, three yep. goals in her last three games. Someone who's only made her early women's debut this season, was signed late by Sydney FC and thrown basically straight into their starting lineup. So it shows the high regard that they put on her. But someone who's really been able to make a name for herself this season, arguably maybe even the breakout star of this season. It's very, even not even just interesting. It's good to see. Sydney yeah. FC, they've had a track record of obviously bringing in some good young players. You've had, even in the last couple of years, at, at a similar age, Indiana Dos Santos has come in. You look a little bit older. You've got your, um, oh, Mary Sanish Flady has gone through um, the Canberra system now, but players like Zara Kruger, Janana Dos Santos have really been able to break out this season as well. But Matty Casper's, Someone who has consistently been able to get herself on the score sheet, even though she is majority an attacking eight or a ten. So for her to be able to have the breakout season she is, and considering she's doing it in a goal scoring manner, which you probably wouldn't expect from someone in her position, that's pretty cool to see as well, isn't it? Yeah, I have just just on that on that point, I've pulled up Footmob's average rating for uh, players who, like, compared to the amount of games they've played, they'd get a rating out of 10. And in the A-League women, and more specifically with Sydney FC, she, it might just be on games played, but she's not she's not in the top 10, and that, that surprises me a lot. Uh, Kirsty Fenton, Courtney Vine. Uh, they they also have 12 players listed. I think they're just missing people. Charlotte McLean, Princess Mini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, but I mean, for some of the names on there, <laughs> I was actually hoping to see her pop up so I could make uh, an exquisite point. Um, my reference has gone out the window, though. Uh, well, so this she's scored three goals this season, and right now the third top goal scorer for Sydney FC is eighteen keen on one goal. So I don't, I don't think her, her profile is just uploaded properly in Football Mob. 
Yeah, no, but th- that's also that's also maybe that's that's the point. A player who's not even got their profile on bloody football. <laughs> I'm trying to click on her on the lineup. Nothing's coming up, so oh. I think that there's an issue there, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is what happens when we record late at night, people. This is dangerous. Uh, I'm in WA, mate. It's not that late. Yeah, it's late for me. It's almost eleven o'clock. Well, you know what? Eight o'clock when you guys, you guys are behind the times. So might, might oh yeah, look, look, look. I don't know if you can see this. But yeah, they all have ratings. They all have ratings, and then there's just a blank spot next to her name. Okay, you're like fair. fair. For, for anyone wondering, because obviously you guys aren't watching this live or live or in video of any way, shape, or form, Matt Olson has basically just shoved Sydney FC's lineup on Foot Mob in front of the camera. Anyway, I just wanted to make note that she was having a really, really good season. We're going to kind of start to wrap up this podcast because I think we're already starting to get delirious. I just want to talk about two more topics. Um and just we didn't even we didn't even actually talk about Caspers. I thought you wanted to talk about Caspers. Okay, (laughs) you did, you did. No, that's fair. Um. Oh god. Anyway, my um, my whole uh my whole vibe for Maddie Caspers is a redacted because Footmob doesn't have a stat, so I'm not allowed to comment. What were you gonna say? I just want to know this. Well, I was actually going to because I knew there was an average player rating for players in the league, and I pulled it up, and when I realised she wasn't there, I was like. Because I was expecting her to just automatically be in the top ten. She would if if they were giving her proper stats and a proper rating, and she was scouted and everything on that. She would firmly be in the top ten for the league. I'd love to know who looks after the stats and stuff for Foot Mob and the A League Women's, and also if they're hiring. Because you know what, I wouldn't mind that job. At yeah. least someone, at least <laughs> someone on the ground covering it. That'd be a pretty cool gig, to say the least. Anyway, we'll move on. The Golden Boot Race has been. Fairly exciting to say the least. So you got yeah. Heyman, ten goals, Milivojevic, nine goals, Lowe, nine goals, Bolden, eight goals, Harding, eight goals, and then Corbin Speckmeyer on seven. A few players on six, a few players on five. That's when we're starting to peter out a little bit, though. My question to you seven games left in the season, some for some teams, eight. Who wins a golden boot? Um, I. I would like it to be Michelle, especially given my big rant today. Hard to look past Serena Bolton, a mid-season cameo from the Jets, sitting in the third, equal third place. Also, we know the talent Sophie Harding possesses. Cody, if the Wanderers are a, are a big contender for that top six and stay in that top six, Sophie Harding has a chance. Rachel Lowe's a bit of an enigma. I feel like there are other powers that be that victory that could probably snatch enough goals off her. I don't, I, and I think for a similar reason, the City girls probably don't stand a chance. Courtney Vine's too far behind. Millie Farrow, I actually think she needs to stop scoring goals and be a bit bit more of a threat off the ball in order for Perth, Perth to excel. Specmar, I'm not really going to comment on because I don't know what, what version of the Phoenix is going to show up and uh, what role she's going to continue to play. Depends where they're playing, to be fair. Yeah. If, they play, if, they're, playing at home, if they're playing at home every week, she'd be a top goal scorer, right? <laughs> Um, I think it's between Heyman and Bolden. You reckon Low might be smoky? Look, I know something. Did you did you hear out. what I said? Yeah, I, know, I heard what he said, but even then, Low, someone look looks like she's being entrusted with the penalty responsibility as a victory. That's a plus. If yeah. they can get their form together, she looks like she's one of the most advanced players on the pitch. Bold, look, Heyman's Michelle Heyman. In she's just comparison to Canberra and the Jets. I think it's fair to say that Victory have far more roots to goal 
than what the Jets do Bolden or Canberra do Heyman. And, and I know Canberra have an incredible... Gilney's fully fit and starting games regularly as well if um, Lowe's got to play more of a supporting role too. That's... Yep. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's uh, a I'm good making shout. a point and then arguing against it. I love that. But yeah, no. Yeah. Look, considering Serena Bolden's only just kind of come in halfway through the season and basically just burst right out the blocks. Yes. One, it, it brings into question if Jets can actually kind of sneak into the top six. But two, she's only two goals off the top... Off the... um. Golden Boot, 100%, I think she's probably... I'd argue even to, hey, a, to an extent she might even be the favourite. Speaking of she, football... Sorry? Sorry. Has football redacted Vesna Milovojevic's stats, stats as well? They just suck at looking after the A-League women's. That's okay. why I don't rely on them for anything. Okay. That's why I'm looking on Soccerway because that's actually where they update everything properly. I can even get the assist count on this. Can't get that on football... You can, but it's probably not correct. Yeah, it's shit. Holly Casper's five, Michelle Heyman five, Danny Allegardish four. Oh, That's they've actually got Michelle Heyman's in there. That's the first. <laughs> Hannah Keane four, Tamiki Old four. Uh, there's a name missing in here somewhere. Liz, Liz Anton. Liz Anton is not sixth. <laughs> Equal sixth for assists. That, that's, that is not correct. Yeah, look, I've got no idea, mate. I'm just talking about top goal scorer here because mm. I think there, there's an interesting discourse, to be fair, because Michelle Heyman... Look, it's probably in terms of as a footballing unit, you do want a supporting player in Vesna Milivojevic who can help not just um, help your team score goals, but help set up goals for you as well. But exactly. having her so far in contention as well, they'll probably take goals off each other, cancel each other out, and Bolden, who is yeah. far and away the figurehead at um, Newcastle Jets, she's probably just going to go and run away with it, whether Jets get into the six or not. But having a lethal striker like that, doesn't do their chances any harm, which leads us to our final topic, each team's chances of making the top six. Some of these we're going to be able to run through pretty quickly, but some I think there's probably a bit of a discourse around because, like I said before, between fourth and ninth, there's three points. Top six race this season is tight. And even some of those teams that are kind of peeling away or look like they were peeling away maybe coming back, some of those teams that started off really well out the blocks are starting to fall down. You look at look Melbourne City, Sydney FC, Western United. I know mathematically they're not there yet, but it's hard to argue they won't be in the six, is it? No. Um, do they do they retain their places as basically established sides in the top six? Is more the question. I, I'd, I'd actually hope not, because the rest of the league have actually been really fun to watch, and you know I think every team that could potentially finish in the six is going to offer something to the six, um, let alone if uh, like a Canberra Adelaide pull some sort of miraculous run and play an elimination final. Like that's huge. So I don't really think there's a, there's a single team you, you want to knock out and you want to be like, you know, disrespectful of in that respect. But then also you have to admit that the top four sides on their day probably make it a bit of a close shot at times as to how they did last season. And that's where I think the inconsistency, what's, what's kind of scary about it is you're looking at an inconsistent West. United, who had the managerial change. You're looking at an inconsistent Melbourne victory, who had uh, you know some injury problems. It's fair to say, and they're still sitting there. <laughs> uh, so what's going to happen when they're at full power? Um, and that's, that's where you know when victory at full power. I know we we're talking about the top three, but the top three are pretty. Yeah, I think they're set in stone personally. But Melbourne victory is someone who, and look, maybe my opinion swayed by the fact that they're kind of in this fourth to ninth bracket, even though they are at the top of it. But they're aside that. Look, they have been very inconsistent this season. You can point to their injuries. You can point to a bunch of other things. 
I think he can. Even when they're fully fit or relatively fit, there's inc- those inconsistencies haven't wavered. They've kind of still been this up and down team. So if that continues and they get on a run of maybe two, three bad results, you're looking at sides like Perth, Mariners, Wanderers, they'll all overtake them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, but think about what, well, think about the fact that Perth are not the consistent beast that they were at the start of the season. Yeah. Perth think probably about wasn't the, the best that- example in that. Yeah, yeah, but but also, but that's this is what I mean, right? It, it, to make the case for Melbourne, if Perth are the reference point for that, look at the rest. Of, look at the teams below them. You can't you can't even say for a comparison that the Wanderers or the Jets or Brisbane or the Mariners. See, Wanderers are the ones that I'll probably argue the point with because if one, let's just say Wanderers go and beat Newcastle Jets this weekend. Yeah, if Wanderers win one game, they'll go and win three or four. Okay, then they'll maybe lose one or two, but it just depends how quick they can turn that around. If they lose this weekend, then yeah, I think we're quizzing. That's, probably has that's to be where see that's where having an awareness of the draw would help both of us in this conversation. Well, and I have you, an awareness you... of what's happening on Friday. After that, it's pretty. We'll Taking it one week at a time, boys. One week at a time. <laughs> look, it also helps that I have the matches listed right in front of me. If I wasn't, yeah. Look, I've been looking at football this whole time, but I, I don't have the foresight to sit there and scroll and go that game's next and that game's next and that game's next because I think we're overcomplicating it at that point anyway. Because well, it's interesting I, because if you're talking about who's going to make the top six, I think these next few rounds are going to be what's most important. That middle block, yeah. a lot of teams within it are playing each other this week. You even look at Saturday, Mariners' victory play against each other. You have victory and Wanderers playing against each other next Friday in Melbourne. There's fixtures in there that are going to play a big role in that. It only takes one or two or well, two or three losses in a row to really change things up in that regard. Also, the fact that Adelaide and Wellington don't play this weekend, which... For the life of me, I don't know why. I feel like I've missed some big piece of news, but <laughs> I don't know why that match isn't happening this week. Uh, I actually don't know when that match is happening, mind you. Did, no, the women didn't play for Waitangi Day, did they? They play each other on the 20th of March at 3 p.m. in Wellington. Uh, at 3 p.m. here, so 5 p.m. in Wellington. So I don't know what's going on that day. Okay, no, um, but they didn't because the men had the, the midweek fixture for Waitangi Day, but the women, the women weren't a part of that. No, no, they weren't. It would, it would have been cool to have that game then actually have a little bit of a double header. Yeah, for a public holiday, it would have been a smart idea. Imagine, look, they uh, um, league football for you at nine o'clock in the morning. Take it. On a, on a, on a weekday. Depends if you're working um, in the office and I was working from home, it was the best. <laughs> Until someone had to ring. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, look. <laughs> look, to um, be fair, I had it on my phone, but you still got it muted. You can't watch it properly. It's not the same. Nah, that's all right. Anyway, that's all right. We'll move I just on. wanted to um, make, make one point on this. Yeah. Because that Wanderers and Jets game, mouthwatering clash for Friday night, yeah? Something that's really starting to bug me and that the APL need to get on top of is it is incredible that the Women's League has the profile and the exposure that it has. But we have to somehow counteract a lot of these heat measures city on a city-on-city city basis with time zones and everything else. Man, the, the thing is, especially from a glory perspective, Friday night's game is massive for the men's team. Yeah? Alan Stadjic could fire that team up to eighth or ninth. Just You can't even begin to imagine what that does for the squad, for everyone involved with Perth Glory. That's just a game you can't keep your eyes off, which means Serena Bolden, uh, you know, and that incredible sort of wondrous story ongoing, you know, Bolden and Harding respectively could both score hat tricks. I'll miss the second half. I'm going to miss the second half because I'm going to be watching Adelaide and Gloria and the men. So I'm just starting to get a little bit irked as someone that covers and watches both leagues. Starting to get a little bit irked with some of these some of these clashes, but I understand that there are humanitarian limitations to playing any earlier and playing in the heat. 
Especially when it's two different competitions. I don't think they're going to go out of their way to kind of separate the times. If we ever move to a winter season, maybe, you know, you have games at maybe 12 o'clock in the afternoon, maybe even 11 a.m. in the morning. It's just a shame, though, because I don't think think in terms of, like, battle-hardened mid-table sides battling it out, We've got we've got two two games that are mouth watering and like identical on paper, and I think that's that's fair to say for both competitions as far as for tomorrow night is concerned. Also, we're we're releasing this after these games have been played. <laughs> well, look, it'll be it'll probably be after the Friday games have played. For yeah. full disclosure, we're recording on Thursday, Thursday. the second of February, so yep. the day before the Mariners play the Jets, and there is a good fair chance once this is released, that game will have already played out. Mm-hmm. Um, be interesting to see how that actually goes, but. Yeah, look, and that, uh, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to get too deep into it because, look, it's one. It's due to heat measures. You can't play games too early in the afternoon, on a Friday as well. You, you're very limited when it comes to kickoff times too. So, look, I think that's a conversation for another day, maybe. But some of those lower sides as well, their chances in the top six start with kind of Phoenix. They're still in that bubble. You get a bit of a run. They're probably going. They could make the six, but I think it's just a matter of actually getting some consistent wins on the board. You look at where their matches are coming up. They've got three away games in a row coming up yeah. and then three out of four home games to end the season. So how they navigate these next three games, I think it's fair to say that's going to be a telling on how their season finishes, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've actually sort of had my say on the Phoenix earlier in the earlier in the episode, so I don't really need to elaborate much further, but I just think that the, the consistency won't, won't hurt. And, um, you know, where they can let their heads go in a game like what we saw with the Jets is a prime example of where they need to be better. And also, if they do make the six, the reasons they lost that game to the Jets, a lot of the misfortune that they're suffering internally. Um, and when I say internally, I don't mean there's anything going on. I'm not making that accusation of the Phoenix behind closed doors again. What I mean by that is I'm going to mock myself more than people actually mock me for that, by the way. But the the thing that I, I do worry about is what, what how does that team show up in a one-off scenario? And that's where I, I sort of don't want this one team to be playing finals football because I just think that in, in even the clinical nature of an Adelaide or a Canberra who are stuck at the bottom probably suits up better than, than a Phoenix side in a, in a game like that. I don't know how you feel about it, but... Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Brisbane Raw, they're a side that started off really well, kind of slipped away in recent weeks. Yeah, if there's, oh, if there's one team I'm actually comfortable to sort of rub off, it would be them, but I know what the quality yes. is and what they have. Look, okay? they've got quality in their side, but I just don't see anything that suggests that they're going to go on this run, win three or four games, and actually get themselves back into the six. Adelaide, funnily enough, I don't see it happening, but they're probably more likely to do it if you're talking yep. about between Adelaide and Brisbane. Yep. I think that's fair to say, considering they're off the back of two wins. You never know what's going to happen in recent weeks. They get another one this weekend. Let's just say they can get three points from City. Yep. That what it does for a team, what it does for a team's confidence as well, yep. will be really, really telling. The last one, Canberra United. H- hear me out. They've got Perth Glory this weekend. Sydney FC, Wander, um, Western United. They got two games against the Wanderers, and then they run. They run in the last three games is Mariners, Phoenix, Brisbane. Besides those. Sydney and Western games, that's a lot of winnable games for them if they can get things clicking. Yeah. I think they've actually got a decent chance. Maybe not decent. Outside chance. But if you're talking about the bottom three, despite them being last, 
they're probably the one that I see the most likely working the way back in. Yeah. No, I, I actually understand where you're coming from. And this is awkward because, like, when you, two years ago, you made that same prediction about Serena Bolton's Western Sydney Wanderers uh, when they were firing. And I, I looked didn't. at you. Yeah, she did. Yeah, you no, said. I, oh, I was, I was making the prediction about Canberra, if anything. I'm I'm sorry. I was making the prediction about Canberra making the four back then. No, you you did say don't lie to me. The archives can prove it. You said at the time you never know with this wondrous team. They're in good form. They could make it. And I just completely no, shut you down. No, no, no. I was saying that about Canberra. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> the, the bridge, the bridge should the be burnt. I was the one that reconstructed it. Uh, I'm sorry. But the point I'm making here is, unlike any of those times where I was stubborn and I shut you down and I said, no, 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 no. And I got really amped up about it. I'm just completely kind of with you on this. I, I think there's enough that Canberra offer. I still have my disagreements about their squad as a whole, for sure. But Defensively, mainly. Exclusively defensively, yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, <laughs> thing is, the thing is, thing is, they are not like a wooden spoon or wooden spooner. Okay, they are not a side that's bad, and we've established this time and time again on on the program. They are a side that should they be up there, should they be in a position where they're able to take the advantage of a few games and get that bounce going, and and just being able to outscore teams if that's all it takes. You know, they could finish sixth with a negative 32 goal difference for all I care. Like, like, <laughs> like it, it, it's not something that's unforeseeable with Canberra going on a good enough run uh, to make it. And, um, and that's where, you know, I hope to really kind of see this team excel in some way because there's just, there's just a feel good narrative about it. There's a team that'd be cooking and a Canberra sign the finals, by the way. With the ongoing narrative, with obviously Michelle Heyman's international career being revived, is the fact that supposedly, almost concerningly at this point, they should actually only be a few months away from having the men's team up and cooking. Uh, and hopefully, in lieu of what's happened with Bill Foley in Auckland, the men's program hasn't suddenly just fizzled out and disappeared, APL doing APL things. But if you're able to get a Canberra side playing really well, in all the local papers there, you know, our guy, our guy Jeremy in, in Canberra would know all about it. Um, and basically, my my hypothesis on that is that is that a Canberra side cooking would do a lot of good things for football on the whole. So, I'm all for it. I want to see it. And we know they're an entertaining team no matter what. So, I'm, I'm for it. And I understand what you're saying. And I completely agree. It's there for the taking. That's, um, that's rare. We're agreeing on something that's slightly controversial. Is it controversial? Well, controversial. Canberra, good, Canberra, good football team. They have a favourable draw. Yeah, I'll, I'll sit on hot take territory. Yeah. Unlike, unlike you, you glitching out and then coming back to me saying, "Kai Simon could be in the in the midfielders." Yeah, I never <laughs> said that. No, I did. Yeah. That was the joke. <laughs> oh god, I did. I did. You you said Kai Simon, and then you went robotic, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." That would work. Are you kidding? Like some of the experience has been recruited in that team. Anyway, that was basically an action replay of what happened. That's hilarious. Cody oh, turned yeah. into a robot, and then I came back with a hot take that is apparently going to get me murdered. I don't know. <laughs> I'm surprised. I thought you honestly. I thought you would have eminently agree- disagreed with that if that's the case. But you know, it's nice to see where your train of thought was going. I, anyway, we're not going to hop on that too much. I think- when it comes to international stuff, when it comes to selections, 
international selections are like the most lenient I could get as a football fan and and as someone who covers football. When have you ever seen me hark up about why the fuck is this person in the squad? I don't think that's no, ever no, happened. Actually, I've, no, I've no. never ever 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 gone on a rant like that ever. I always no, think that you know what you need a bit of that as well to an extent because yeah you know we're we're all Australians here. We all want the best for the national team. Whoever get whoever does get selected, whether you agree or disagree with it, you want them to do well. And you, you know, don't you know? I've questioned before, Larissa before, Crummer's involvement in Matilda's squads. If she was called up tomorrow, I'd back her. Larissa Crummer, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> that almost made me a bit sweaty. I mean, that hey, was- she's in a Champions League quarterfinal. To be fair, she's not doing bad for herself. All right, I think we're getting a bit delirious. I'm going to call it there. For anyone that's listening through that, we do appreciate you. Oh, always love that listeners. Always love the people that follow us. If you did enjoy it, drop a five-star rating. Give us a follow on our socials, from PG Football at Twitter, Instagram, and Threads, I think it is. Front Page Football on TikTok, Front Page Football on LinkedIn, Front Page Football on Facebook. I probably missed something else. We're not on Snapchat, so you won't get um, beautiful photos of me and Matt at games, but you can see that, obviously, through FPF and the work that we do when we are there. Anyway, my name's Cody Ojeda. I've been your host today. Matt, you got anything you want to add? <laughs> no. Fair enough. Don't blame you. Like I said, my name's been Cody Ojeda. This has been Front Page Dub. Hope you've all enjoyed it, and we will see you in a fortnight.